welcome to What the Fantasy. I am Brandon Hay, and you can find me on Twitter at HayB3. Good evening, everybody. My name is Zada, and you can find me at ZKantsFF. Uh, if you like AJ Dillon as an RB1 this year, then stop by my page and we can be friends. Well, well, that's uh, quite the way to start the show. So, uh, first of all, it was just 4th of July weekend. How was your 4th uh, of July? Oh, it was loud. It was very, like, something like a war zone outside. They wouldn't stop. My cats were freaking out. Um, I'm I'm definitely at that age where I'm just like, stop, just kill it. It's not cool, man. I've seen, uh, you know, you think about it, when you're a kid, it's awesome. But I think there are just too many stupid adults out there to handle explosives, you know. And I know they're fun, but, like, I was out on, I was out on the beach watching all the fireworks, and I was looking at all the people handling the fireworks, and they had their bags of explosives i'm not even calling them fireworks they had their bags of explosives like four feet away from where they were lighting fireworks and i was like standing outside by myself on the beach and i was just looking at all these people and i was like you know what i'm gonna go inside because something bad is gonna happen and i went back inside i shut all the windows and uh, i just tried to hold down the fort and keep my cats cool and calm and make sure they didn't get nervous and start urinating blood because that's what they do when they get nervous so uh and like it didn't stop till like 2 a.m. over here they're just blowing them up but i think they all got them out of their system because i heard one firework the day before and there's always those like firework leftovers the day before i only heard one so i'm stoked about that how was yours well i'm more on the positive side of fourth of july i do i do agree with the uh, fireworks it started on thursday went through i mean i still heard some today um, luckily my dogs don't get freaked out by fireworks, so they don't have the problems of the, uh, bloody urination that your cats have. Um, that sounds like something you need to maybe, uh, get checked out for them. That doesn't seem healthy. That's, that's an anxiety problem exclusive to cats. Uh, one cat has a ur bloody urination problem. And if he gets like, if he, if he gets super anxious, he starts pissing blood. It just, it just happens. And then I got to take him to the vet and then they got to unclog his urethra and I'm down $2,000. Well, that, that sounds pretty, pretty, pretty awful. Uh, it hurts. It's, it's substantial. Yeah. So how, how often does this happen? Is it just for like the fireworks and loud noises or is it for other things? It's happened twice. I forgot the first reason why it happened. Uh, and the second reason it happened, the second time it happened, it happened because we were having construction done on our house. And they were banging upstairs on the roof and they were, it was so loud. The entire house was shaking. We had paint falling off like the walls. They were hammering so loud. So my cat was stuck inside when they were doing that for three days and he was just cowering in a corner, just terrified for his life. Cause he had no idea. It, it was just so loud. I was stressed out. I, I hated it, you know? So, you know, two days later, started pissing blood straight to the hospital. If you don't take him to the hospital after they start urinating blood, it it gets clogged and their bladder explodes and they die just like that. So it's life threatening. It's pretty, it's pretty serious. Well, I did not know that about uh, cats. So that's good to know. Uh, I didn't really do a lot on the fourth. Most, uh, we had a pool party on the third. So um, since it was Sunday, so we had people over for that. There was a torrential downpour for about an hour. So that really ruined the pool party for a little bit, but then everyone just, uh, stayed in, in the house and everything and ended up still being a good day, even though there was little sun. So um, 
you know, that's life living in Florida with the rain and everything. You never know what's going to happen. Did you get some fireworks off? Uh, we don't, we're not like big on fireworks, so we didn't send any off. Okay. Cool. Did, uh, huh. Yeah. I, I'm guessing from your, from your um, little discussion, you're not big on fireworks anymore. I mean, I think they're fun, but I think like, I, I think it sucks because like, I, I feel for the animals, you know, it's not even like domesticated pets, but this is probably go, this conversation is probably going on for way longer than it should. But I, th- I think, that, I think for domesticated pets is bad. And also I think for avian or avian friends, I think it's bad. And I know you don't care because you're terrified of birds. So. <laughs> there's, there's some, there's some birds that I don't totally dislike, like mallards. I think they're nice. So okay. um, I, I don't dislike them. And there's some birds like, I don't guess I'm okay with, but yes, I okay. can see how that would be very scary for them. And yeah. you know, any, and other like wildlife animals, you know, right. I, I can yeah. see how the, I think you're right. I think this has gone on long enough. So uh, let's move on to the next thing. Uh, you know, it, it looked like this was going to happen and I believe it. Um, I think it's official with uh, Baker Mayfield going to the Panthers for um, a fifth round conditional pick in 2024. Um, I've seen a lot of varying uh, response, like responses to this. There's some people that hate Baker Mayfield, think he's a horrible quarterback and think, you know, um, don't know why the Panthers did this. Some people think it's a really good move for the Panthers. Um, I'll start off. I think, I think Baker is somewhere in between bad and like a quarterback one top 12 quarterback somewhere in between there i would say maybe quarterback like 14 to 22 is like his range um and i really like this for dj moore this i think this is going to be the best quarterback dj moore's had and uh i feel good about him so his value is going to go up uh what are your thoughts about baker the panthers and the whole situation um it's almost it's almost a lateral for me between he and Darnold. Um this this kind of feels like what the up the upgrade that the Washington the Washington Commanders got when they got Wentz and they brought you know over Heineke, you know. Yeah, sure. I mean, they're visible, they're visibly like they have more draft capital. Um I mean, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold were were selected only a few spots away from each other and they both haven't really produced anything. Um So this 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 is uh it this we're we're only we're I, I won't I won't be completely negative about Baker because I think he's he's you know we're we're only two years away from him having like really really uh he closed out the 2020 year really strong I think like if we if we look at how he closed 2020 year out um he from week 12 through 17 he posted a 65.16 percent completion percentage and had a he had um 1713 yards um and 11 touchdowns through six games on 144 attempts, right? So that's like 1.8 touchdowns per game, which is really good. Plus, he also had 25 rush attempts for 90 yards and one touchdown. So he, he closed out the game really good. He closed out the 2020 season really good. I had high hopes on him going through the 2021 season, uh, the 2021 season, and I actually drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl last year as my QB2, hoping that he would build on it. Um, it kind of fell apart, but – him being bad, the difference between he and Darnold being bad are two different things. Like Darnold is mentally messed up. Like he he's just he's just he's just broken. He's a broken QB in his head. He's just broken. So he has to like take a year off, reflect, 
go on a walkabout, go on a spiritual journey and repair himself as a man because he's just done as a QB. He's just seeing things that are out, aren't out there. He can't perform efficiently at all. We have glimpses of him performing efficiently and like just throwing beautiful, accurate passes, but most times it's bad. Baker is a passer. He has processing issues. He doesn't operate outside of structure really well. He needs to be kept clean. Um, he's really bad against pressure. Uh, last year against pressure, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. He was as bad as – he was on the same levels. Like per PFF, he was as bad as Zach Wilson, Davis Mills. He was as bad as Taylor Heineke, Geno Smith, Geno Smith versus pressure. And the Carolina Panthers last year, they had the 28th worst pass blocking unit in the league, right? And they didn't make any significant additions to their unit this year. That makes me confident in Baker Mayfield as NFL passer this year. He doesn't add anything extra to that team. Maybe they, yeah, obviously they're going to have like incremental, incremental improvements, but it's not going to be significant. As far as fantasy value, Christian McCaffrey is going to get his, he's a running back. He's going to get his, it's, there's no art to really dumping off to running backs. Um, unless you're Carson Wentz, who kind of sucks at doing that. But, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, if we're going to give anybody a bump, it's going to be DJ Moore because he is a target monster in in this on this team. I'm not going to even bat an eye at Robbie Anderson. Uh, Terrence Marshall, you know, I, I had hopes for, but I think that's all. I think year two is just as bad as year one is probably going to be. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, DJ Moore, sure. Yeah, he'll probably have better quality. He'll probably have better quality targets. Um, but... Again, going back to Baker Mayfield, we really haven't seen him sustain a viable wide receiver yet in his entire career. You know, outside of Jarvis Landry, outside of Jarvis Landry here, they're having some some relative success. I can't think of anybody as far as fantasy as far as fantasy assets having success. I think Kareem Hunt had probably the most success as a as a receiver. Um, so yeah, I feel best about Christian McCaffrey. So yeah, I guess I have a little different opinion on the difference between Darnold. And Baker, uh, while you were talking about that, I kind of looked it up. Um, I didn't realize this. Darnold has never played more than 13 games in the season. So that's part of it. Um, and I know that's going to you know, influence where he finishes. But he never has finished PPR you know, um, better than 25th. And uh, Baker has finished 18th, 18th, 16th. And last year was past 20. So, I mean, that's not great. But as a, in super flex format, um, he's a fine quarterback too, and I think um, you know all that pressure um, stats and everything you said last year. Uh, I watched a lot of the Browns games, and I will tell you they did him a huge disservice by letting him play last year. So everyone's going to remember how bad he was last year, and he was bad. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I'm not taking that as who he is as a quarterback because he was he was playing on like with pretty much no arms, like half of an arm. Um, because, you know, he had hurt shoulder, a non-throwing shoulder, I think, and then he had the knee issue and all of that. So I, like you said, after, at the end of 2020, I was higher on him, but I think, uh, I think he can be better, and he kind of, he plays the best when he has a chip on his shoulder, and he's going to have a huge chip on his shoulder. Um, We haven't even talked about this. First week, Panthers play the Browns. I think he is going to destroy the Browns. Um, because they're probably going to have Jacoby Brissett out there. Uh, so I think it's good, you know, and I think – I actually think want to see Baker again without a personality like OBJ. I just don't think he plays well with those kind of 
demanding, you know, alpha type wide receivers. And I I think uh, DJ Moore's skill set and actually uh, Robbie Anderson's skill set will, will kind of go go well with that. Um, I don't really know the Panthers, you know, tight end wise because I think Baker does like throwing to the tight end. So I'm very interested how that's going to go. It does make me sad because I did have Matt Matt Corral in a couple dynasty leagues, and I was thinking he was going to play this year. Um, so unless a lot of quarterbacks get hurt, it's unlikely that he's going to play. Right. So like going back to 2020, so 2021 Baker Mayfield per PFF, he graded out. Uh, he graded out against pressure. He graded. He had a PFF grade of 35.1. In 2020, he had a passer rating of 39.1. And in 2019, I'm trying to find him. It's I'm, I'm just trying to see how – let me see in 2019 real quick. Give me one second. Uh, in 2019, he graded out at 61.5. So that, there, there is a glimmer of hope. You know, we've, we've, we've seen him – Three years ago, play well with pressure against pressure. So, do you, you know, know we, we, what, like, what? So, like, so I understand that those numbers weren't great uh, until going back to 2019. But what are some, uh, do you have uh, it up where it just lists the quarterback's pressure ratings? Or do you have to look it up individually? His pressure rating, uh, I it's, it's on here somewhere, but there are so many categories it would take me. Okay, that's fine. I was just wondering, like, other quarterbacks, what theirs are to kind of uh, do, like, a comparison. Drop back. Because, I mean, most quarterbacks don't aren't great under pressure. I obviously, mean, because it's pressure. Players. Yeah, obviously, yeah. it's pressure, right? Like, you have, like – but, like, the company that he keeps versus pressure isn't, like, noteworthy, right? Like, like he was just as bad as Sam Darnold last year versus pressure. You know, like, it. it's not, like – I understand yeah, that, fair. but like, yeah, like it's just like it's it's all it's just taking his new environment into context, right? Like, look when you're looking at the Carolina Panthers, they're not notorious for keeping their passers clean, like, and Baker Mayfield is not a quarterback that operates well, you know, outside of structure. You know, that means like you know, creating it when the play breaks down, like he's just not that great. And you know, I'm I'm talking I'm not talking about fantasy fantasy football. He's a fine QB two, yeah, great, perfect QB two. Like he's gonna be like a four QB two. But I mean, as far as like real football, I don't I don't have much faith in him. Um, I know like he is a chippy guy and he has that whole aura about him of like this guy with the attitude and like, you know, like I'll show you, I'll show you guys. Yeah, like, I'm Baker Mayfield, like two pistols, two finger pistols in the air, Baker Mayfield. But uh I, I just right, we he's kind of like he's kind of like on that trajectory of becoming a broken man like Sam Darnold was. Maybe this is probably the best case scenario for him, putting him in a new scenario. In a new offense, uh, getting him outside of Cleveland, and like, what is it? What what is a toxic environment now for him? So we'll see. You know, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, people people get better at certain things. So maybe Baker Mayfield uh, reverse back to his you know former self. Yeah, I'm not arguing that Baker's you know like this great quarterback, but uh, I just kind of wonder. But you are right that the Panthers did not um, really make their line better. I always said that Baker does. The, like I said, does better with the chip on the shoulder. I was worried about them in 2021 because, you know, they were kind of favorites then. I just don't think he plays well when he doesn't have that that extra, you know, thing with him 
where he has to play with the chip on his shoulder and um, you know, the injuries and I mean, we've seen with what Cleveland's doing. I, you know, everyone thought they kind of turned the corner as a franchise and they might be going back to the dumpster again. We'll see. Um, but it'll be interesting with the, with the Panthers and what they really need to do is they need to get an offense together, which I don't know if Matt Rule can do this, but get an offense together where they make it easy on him, like quick passes, yeah. you know, easy reads. But I mean, they weren't really doing that last year. So I don't know why that would change, but um, you know, yeah, I do have, I do have hopes for DJ Moore. Um, maybe getting some more touchdowns, possibly. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, you know, um, it's going to be an interesting aspect there because Matt Rule really needs to win this year. So um, I do wonder if Baker starts out and he struggles, then do they, like, flip-flop quarterbacks like they did last year, play, like, all the quarterbacks in one game? Um, so it'll be interesting how that all plays out. Matt Rule gives me no confidence also, additionally, th- to thinking about how Matt Rule has no real, no real like, kind of – play calling creativity and also knowing that like that week one matchup, like Stefanski knows how to push Baker's buttons. Like he knows, he knows how to get this guy. He knows how to get home against this guy. So I don't feel great about Baker's odds um, in week one against the Browns. Fair. All right. So now we'll talk about, um, so I just got the uh, Scott Fishbowl invite this past Monday, something like that. And thanks to everyone that um, gave shout out Congratulations, to me on man. Twitter. Thank you. Thank you. It's the same as last year. I got, I keep on getting in at the very end, but um, it still Me works too. out. So, uh, so we'll kind of talk about that. What I was going to go ahead and pull up is just the, uh, the scoring. So we can kind of like go over that real quick. There we go. So, uh, so yeah, so, so no kind of, well, some normal things on here, six points for passing t- TD, but negative four points for an interception. I think that's higher than most leagues. Um, one point for 25 yards passing, two points for a two-point conversion. This is where it comes in big. Um, bonus for completion percentage over 66.6%. Uh, negative one for um, uh, for an incompletion, 0.5 points for a completion. We'll go back to this because I want to talk about this when we talk about strategy. Rushing, six points rushing TD, one point for uh, um, 10 yards rushing, Two points for two-point conversion, half a point for a first down, negative two for a fumble loss. Um, that that first down part, it, that's not in all leagues, so that's something. Then, you know, similar receiving, six points receiving touchdown, one point for every 10 yards, two points for a two-point conversion, and then again, a point five points for a first down, and it left us. I don't know if oh, you know, sorry, you sorry, sorry, you sorry, 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 sorry. You switched the screen. Wrong screen. Wrong screen. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, uh, 0.5 points per reception. Can you scroll up? A little? Yeah, and then tight end, um, 0.5 for a first down, 0.5 for reception. The kicking, um, one point for a made field goal, one point for a made extra point. And then uh, decimal scoring bonus for a field goal, 37-yarder three, equals 3.7 points. And then, you know, 24-yarder equals 2.4. And then special teams is normal. So, um so the biggest thing is the uh, quarterback points. So, so um, yeah. So, and then talk about this. So you, um, the biggest thing is um, if you're in MFL, you can do four flats in that one of those flats could be, a, or however many flats it could be a kicker. You're not required to be, have a kicker, but in sleeper, you are 
required to have a kicker, and then you will only have three flex spots. So we were actually talking about this in the uh, group chat for the um, for the division I'm in, that most of us like Sleeper as a platform better, but we don't love that we have to play a kicker in that format. Do you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, I do. I do feel the same way about that. So, um, so speaking of kickers, um, this is one of the strategy parts I want to talk about. So, um, you know, in most of redraft leagues, they do have kickers or a lot of them do. So when you're looking at a kicker, do you want someone from like the best offense, like, you know, the chiefs offense or the bills offense or one from a middle of the road offense that, you know, won't score as many touchdowns. So they'll get more field goals. Well, what's the, what's the deduction for missing point uh, kicks? Is there a deduction? I don't think so. Is there no point deduction for missing field goals? So, okay. So yeah. it's one point made for, so it's, it's, it's one point made on the additional yards that you get. So if you make a 37 yard field goal, that's 47, that's a, that's 4.7 points. Yes. I am going to target elite kickers that can, that can, that their team will put them out there on like 50 yard, 50 yard tries. And you know, that's like, that's if, if you have like a 50 yard try, that's like one touchdown right there, plus the additional points, plus the additional uh, decimal scoring. And then like another 40 yard, you know, Justin Tucker is going to be having like three field goal attempts probably per game, you know, and like one of he's always good from like 50 yards out. So like, I think Evan McPherson, hopefully if he can ride that, if he can ride that, you know, that momentum that he had going into the end of the year, um, who else, who else are some, who else are some good games? I, I mean, I'm, I'm all for flexing in flex, have starting two kickers. I'm totally fine for that. Flexing in two kickers, I think. I think flexing in a second additional kicker is just as good as starting some low-end wide receiver three who is going to give you like 10 points, unless he's like an upshot play, upside play that you need to beat your opponent who's severely projected to outscore you. But I mean, starting a kicker, it's like starting a second kicker, I think it's I think it's a very valuable play. Yeah, I I think I drafted like three kickers last year and it didn't really go well. You know, it didn't it didn't show any um, more valuable. Um, I would say, you know, a Butner for the Chiefs. He he's not as consistent on fifty, but he gets like forty yarders a lot, and we'll see how much they really score. I mean, there's a lot of good kickers in the league. Um, Koo from at well, Koo from Atlanta, but I mean, who knows how that offense could go? So he might not be the best example because yeah. there might be games where they struggle. Um, so I guess you know. Um, it, it depends on on McManus, the offense, McManus, like, yeah. McManus from Denver. McManus in Denver. Yeah, definitely, good definitely so big, like, good for Denver. The way I'm approaching drafting the kicker this year is I'm aiming for like a if it's Justin Tucker, like in the eighth round, I'm taking him every single day. Like I, I, eighth round as is as early as I'm going to start with Justin Tucker, just because I'm also like an aggressive drafter. So it depends upon your philosophy and personal preference towards drafting. But I'm an aggressive drafter and I take my guys no nonsense like. I want my guys. I take them as early as possible. So, like eighth round, when it starts to get like, say if you don't get, a, say if you get like, it's it's at that point like where those tight ends start to get like wonky, like about like tight end eight, tight end nine, tight end ten. Like I don't want anything to do with those guys. I'd rather take Justin Tucker or Evan McPherson and then get a tight end like around later. No, that makes sense. Um, I do wonder how early, you know, especially in sleeper leagues where you have to have a kicker. Um, and based on the scoring, how early uh, kickers will go. 
um, if someone would take a kicker earlier than the eighth round. Um, but the eighth round is kind of the threshold you would you would take a kicker. The earliest. Yeah. You would well, take just, a kicker. just 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 Justin Tucker though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The top kicker. You're saying the top kicker. You would the, take him around, the top around kicker. That spot. The elite. The yeah. elite kicker. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of has everything. He has that that offense that you know um, successful moves the ball up and down the field. They let him kick 50, 60 yarders. He's so good at mm-hmm. it. Um, so you're going to get that. And then sometimes they bog down. So um, he still gets those 30 and 40 yard yarders. So yeah, I think that's a that's a good um, discussion on that. So now um, most super flex leads two quarterbacks is a no brainer. Um, I think you had kind of had a tweet about this just because of the scoring. Um, based on the negatives for incompletion and everything. So let me get your thoughts in your strategy. Are you going to try to field a team to play two quarterbacks, or um, are you going to go a different option? I, I'll i draft two quarterbacks, but I won't be reaching for three quarterbacks. What I want to do um, is um, I want to prioritize. I'm, I'm picking from the four spot, so I have a good chance of getting Kelsey or Andrews, and I'll talk about why. But as far as quarterbacks go, I think there's a fair amount of quarterbacks like there, there's a good amount of quarterbacks that you can get in the second round and not have to worry about in the first round that have a 66% passer rating because in Scott Fishbowl this year, 66% passer rating or above offers bonus points and below deducts points. Passing the, the quarterback position deducts points like crazy. Like for, okay, so it's um, negative one point per incompletion, right? Like negative one point per incompletion is a, it's, it's a mother effing killer. That hurts. Like every single time there's an incompletion. So not only a drop pass, but just an overthrow or just a miss, like there, that's gonna hurt. Like you gotta find quarterbacks with high high completion percentages. So like what I'm gonna do is like if if I just totally punt quarterback for the first few rounds, I'll tell you one guy I love. Mac Jones is one guy I love if I'm gonna try, try to get a quarterback later. Last year, Mac Jones on the on the on the Patriots. If you think about the way the Patriots run that offense, it's a run first offense, right? So they're gonna, he has high percentage passes, low A dot passes. Mac Jones last year, the entire year, only had four games with below a 66 points, a 66% passer rating, right? So he's I think he's gonna just be just as good this year. He's a good bet. I also think that Tua Tungavailoa is another good bet, is, is another good quarterback to pick up later, but who will probably probably go before Mac Jones just because they have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And Mike Gusecki and Chase Edmonds, so he'll also have probably like a high completion percentage. Tua Tagovailoa has been an accurate passer in the league, so I think those are two guys I'm aiming for. I am not prioritizing quarterback. I will be prioritizing tight end, uh, but I'll let you talk about your approach to quarterback before I move to tight end. Yeah, I just want to talk about. So I kind of looked at um, last year. Um, Thirteen of the top thirty scorers last year were quarterbacks, and even Carson Wentz was twenty seventh. The 27th uh, highest scoring. And I looked at, um, I kind of did the math based on last year incompletions and completions. And Carson, if you found that Carson Witz was actually negative 33 on that, and he still finished, you know, top 30. So um, I understand what you're saying, but a lot of good quarterbacks still could ended up with a negative number because of that. Um, Herbert, negative seven and a half. Mahomes, negative four. Uh, Allen, negative uh, 32.5. So Obviously, those have high production, you know, um, passing yards and touchdowns. So you have to take that into account. But I wanted to talk, you know, about Carson Wentz because everyone saw, you know, he kind of shit the bed in some games. But it just shows a quarterback like that you could still get. Um, 
you know, good production out of, even if they throw a lot of incompletions, interceptions, so on and so forth. Um, just kind of want to talk about that. Uh, I think I, I'm still going to try to get three quarterbacks, but I might not reach as high for the second or the third quarterback. So I guess it's a little in between, you know, kind of what you're doing where you're not necessarily going to get the third quarterback. I want to, but I might wait way later. So it might be a guy like at, at the bottom of the barrel um, or maybe a guy that is not even going to play that might play later in the year, you know, like one of the rookies, maybe, um, you know, like a Desmond Ritter or something just, uh, you know, in case injuries. Cause last year uh, I had a lot of injuries and it, it really, it really killed me. So, um, so now why don't you go ahead and talk about tight ends? So tight ends. So first of all, I'm prioritizing tight end for this reason. In this league, receivers get or receptions are 0.5 per reception and 0.5 per first down, right? On top of that, tight ends get an additional 0.5 per reception and an additional 0.5 per first down. So that's two point. That was hard math for me to do real quick on the spot. That's two points per per reception on a first down, right? Per first down reception. So imagine getting a guy like Kelsey, right? who's going to be the primary target of the Chiefs offense and who's going to be targeted a lot on first downs. That guy is going to give you so much leverage at the, at that position on your team. He's going to be a huge difference maker, right? Or a guy like Mark Andrews are, is another good bet for that. After those two, I'm not really going to prioritize Ted End really after those two. Um, after that, I'm probably probably gonna pivot to a good quarterback one, and then start moving into the other positions like wide receiver, running back, and stuff like that. But for that reason alone, I have you have to adhere to scoring settings. Like as much as you don't want to, because we're not used to drafting, we're not used to really being aggressive as tight ends in traditional in traditional drafting formats in leagues. Um, we have to adapt to scoring settings, and I found in my in my experience that as long as you would adhere to scoring settings you really don't have to do mock drafts as long as you know your scoring settings you can succeed you can make it to the playoffs so just look at the scoring settings and just adapt to that and you'll be fine it's all right it's all right there it's all online at scott fishbowl at scott fish's website look at the scoring settings and learn how to prioritize which position based on where you're drafting if you're drafting in the back end of the draft odds are you're not going to get kelsey you might have andrews fall to you you know so adapt accordingly based on what the odds are of what player is going to fall to you. For me, I'm at the four spot. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about Kelsey or Andrews uh, falling. So you wouldn't necessarily prioritize Kittle or Waller or Pitts. Uh, Pitts, not some Pitts. I like because he'll have, you know, I'm, I'm still confident his target volume, but um, uh, yeah, I, I guess I could see Pitts there. Waller. Um, no, because Adams will be there and Renfro will be there. Uh, Pitts above Waller and Scott Fishbowl, I believe. And who's the other one you mentioned? Kittle. Uh, um, Kittle. Kittle is kind of iffy for me. I had Kittle last year with Garoppolo and he, he really didn't work out. And with Trey Lance, I'm not any more confident with Trey Lance. So I probably wouldn't prioritize Kittle. So for Pitts or Waller, would they be guys who are more, if they fell in the second, you would take a chance, but you wouldn't prioritize taking them in the first? It's possible in the second, uh, but no, not the first round. Not in, this, right, well, this, not, not, not in the top five, not in the top half of the first round. Right. Gotcha. So yeah. um, 
this will kind of go into what you know what we learned last year. Uh, I was picked two last year. I wanted a high pick to get one of those better quarterbacks, but I learned I hated it because I picked uh, Mahomes at the second pick, and then I didn't pick again, you know, till two eleven, and that's when I went uh, T.J. Hawkinson because I kind of thought about the tight end, you know, kind of what we we're talking about. But like you said, um, I regretted that because he didn't really give you that that extra value for picking that position. So those top four tight ends we talked about, I think, are good for the second round. But after those, I would wait um, to get someone, you know, later, maybe tight in eight to ten that could still give give you some good value. Because there's the difference between, say, tight end five and six and tight end ten and eleven probably isn't necessarily huge week to week. Um, and then another thing I learned also was I went too heavy on rookies. I ended up with five rookies. I think three rookie wide receivers, two rookie running backs. And, uh, you know, I had some injuries running back wise. Uh, I, J.K. Dobbins, I think I picked him in the fourth round. Um, that really killed me. I think I might prioritize uh, just stockpiling running backs a little more throughout the draft rather than stockpiling wide receivers because running backs, uh, you know, usually have the more injuries in the up and down um, with, with that. So, uh, you know, and – Last year, I remember taking Mahomes because everyone thought, you know, he was he was going to continue to put up these elite numbers. He's still really good, but if he doesn't put up those, you know, number one numbers, then taking him that early wasn't really worth it. So, uh, what did you learn from last year that you're trying to kind of um, put towards this year? I, I think quarterbacks really set me back. Um, you know, I only drafted. I drafted three quarterbacks. I drafted Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, and Teddy Bridgewater. And and um, Joe Burrow was the only one that really worked out for me. Um, I So for that reason, you know, I'm not going to prioritize quarterback. I'm going to let it, I'm going to let the value fall to me over there at that position. And like, like I was saying, I was targeting Mac Jones because um, Mac Jones as a QB2 is great. Even as a QB1, I think he's fine because he's going to give you those bonuses. He's going to give you the completion. He's going to give you those, he's going to give you that safety of uh, completions and the completion percentage with those high, uh, high value throws, those easy targets. So I think with the build that I'm going for, I'm going to be focusing on the tight end and I'm going to be focusing on top tier wide receivers. And I'll be looking at bargain deals like Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr or Mac Jones and Tua. I'm not going to be looking for elite passers, but I'm going to be looking for guys who are reliable and solid passers. And then I'll be focusing on running back, you know, where the value, if I see really good value for running back, I'll take it, but I'm not going to be going head over heels for running back because there was so much turnover at the running back position last year at the Scott fishbowl. I was picking up third street running backs. Like every, every I was scouring the waiver wire and it, you know, it, it always usually worked out because it's just such the positions always churning throughout the season that you can always find a pass catching running back. You could always pick up Kenneth Gainwell for, you know, for some, you know, for like a, a good 10 point outing or something like that in this league, you know? Um, so it's going to be for, so like for rushing though, Right. It's going to be, yeah, half point for first down for rushing. So I think, like, if you want to go like a Derrick Henry, you know, a workhorse or, you know, like a Leonard Fournette, that's also, it's not, that's, that's not, it's not a horrible strategy, but uh, I'd rather have the receiving 
there. So like, I think like I'd rather have the receiving first down with the receiving. I added on top of the half point per reception and the half point per first down. Yeah. I'm still trying to conceptualize where I want to take my first running back. It probably depends on what, um, you know, what running backs are there in the second round. Cause I'm probably not going to take one in the first round. Um, but I think the, the way NFL teams are kind of going more to the running back by committee um, really helps in fantasy formats because there's usually the, the more run heavy guy. And then there's the pat, the, the, the passing back. Um, so you think about it, if you get a passing back and he gets, let's just say three catches for 30 yards, you know, game or whatever um, right there, you already got six points and really he doesn't, you know, that's a very minimum. So you got, a good floor right there for those type of running bats. And you can pick those guys late, you know, like a Naeem Hines, like you said, Kenny Gainwell, um, McKissick, those, those type of players. So um, yeah, I think that's a, a good, um, good way to look at it because I've always, I've always gravitated to getting wide, wide receivers more and earlier, just because I think it's easier to project them to have good weeks every week. Like, you know, Devonte Adams is going to get his targets every week. Whereas a running back, there's going to be weeks, where Jonathan Taylor might only get like 70 yards, you know, if they focus on the run, whereas those, those elite top five wide receivers, they're going to find a way to get them the ball. They're going to pop off. They're going to pop off every week. And if, and if you want, you can find like a James Cook later in the draft. You can find like a James Cook who's going to get his receptions, or you can find Devin Singletary, his counterpart, who's going to get the rushing first downs probably in the third downs. Or you can find like Rashad Penny later on in the draft, or you can find AJ Dillon later on in the draft, who's going to get receptions and first downs and, most likely goal line touches. AJ Dillon's probably going to be a hell of a bargain. Uh, Josh Jacobs, I think, is going to be a good bargain. He's in a, you know, a Damian Harris is going to be a good bargain. He's going to get a lot of rushing first downs. So that rushing first down, that 0.5 per rushing first down, really balances well with the uh, with the other side of the spectrum of the rushing uh, of the 0.5 per reception for running backs because like. There are some running backs who do either or, and then but there's also like the running backs who do it all, like your McCaffrey's and all your guys that you find in the first two rounds. Definitely. I think there's um, definitely um, the way the scoring is, there's tons of strategies and everything like that. So um, those are some of the strategies for that. And we'll finish up the show with just um, three players we're excited to see in preseason. So um, I'll let you go first with your first one. You're on mute. Obviously. Brandon, you know my first guy who is going to be at Snoop Connor out of the Jackson uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. I can't, I cannot wait to see what he does um, in the. In Was the this just to troll me? I just did. I I suggested this whole entire <laughs> just to troll you. It's going to be Snoop Connor. No, for for real. No, I'm excited for everybody to watch Snoop Connor. I'm excited for you to watch Snoop Connor as a Jags fan. I'm excited for you to get excited about Snoop Connor, man. I mean, like he's gonna be, he's gonna like James Robinson is like. We can have a whole discussion about that. But James Robinson, he's not going to be ready this year. Like James Robinson, he might be game ready, but he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be efficient. He's just not going to have what he had before. He's going to be sapped. It's going to take a long time to recover from this. I think Snoop Connor, as far as preseason goes, he's going to get a lot of run. And Travis Etienne should get a lot of run too because he's been the year. He's he's He came in and he barely even touched the ball, you know, in his first year in the preseason. So I think – uh you know, Snoop Connor's my first guy. I think he's going to make a really great case to be that early down back. Um, it's probable. It's probable that it's it's possible that James Robinson starts ahead of Snoop Connor. But I mean, again, this is a whole new regime. Doug Peterson drafted traded up to get Snoop Connor, and you know, like we might 
see Snoop Connor go start ahead of James Robinson uh, to open the year? Let me just say, uh, I think I might have said in the previous podcast, I'm softening my stance on Snoop Connor. Um, one, because, you know, the James Robinson and everything. I think part of it for me, too, is I'm just sad because I love James Robinson, the story, the player, the person, you know, he, he does a lot of stuff in the community. And honestly, if Snoop Connor does well, um, you know, while if James Robinson's out, then that might be the end of James Robinson in Jacksonville, totally honestly. Um, because, you know, he has no ties to his coaching staff. I mean, they don't have to pay him very much, you know, and they drafted Snoop Connor. Um, so, yeah, that will be very interesting because I am interested how they're going to deploy ETN, um, what his percentage of just carries is going to be. They've been, you know, a lot of highlights for camp, him running routes. So that will be interesting for me. I went quarterback heavy on mine. Um, so start off in the same uh, backfield, Trevor Lawrence. Um, most teams don't like to play their starters in preseason that much. I think the Jads are one of the teams that they're going to have to play them more because they need to get more reps. And, um, you know, I kind of want to know, can Peterson fits all the damage that Urban did to Lawrence last year in one year? Um, he gets his security blanket back in uh, Travis Etienne. Um, so that that's a nice thing. But, I mean, they improved the wide receivers, but not a lot, uh, in my opinion. So I want to know, will Trevor Lawrence, will we see some of the things that he did at Clemson? Um, I actually saw a video where some people were saying, you know, he was making the same throws. He was at Clemson, but the Jaguars wide receivers were so bad. They couldn't make the catches. Like they couldn't make NFL player catches. So kind of see, see that. And, you know, see if Trevor Lawrence is not as skittish. Cause I think, I think it just got in his head and kind of like when you said not as bad as Sam Darnold, obviously, but I think there's a mental aspect that when you keep on getting hit and you keep on, you know, your coaching staff's not helping you it really hurt him. So I, I could see them playing them longer than most starters would see just because they need to get some of that chemistry going and just get some positive momentum for that offense. Yeah. I, I feel really good about Trevor Lawrence going to this year. I think last year was an absolute throwaway year. I feel so confident about Trevor Lawrence. He's going to, we, we all just, we all, we're all so our vision and our outlook for Trevor Lawrence is just so skewed because of the mess that was 2021 in Jacksonville last year. It was just an absolute mess. We, I don't think we're ready for what we're going to see. Honestly, I don't think we're ready for it. We'd be like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's going to be like seeing – it's going to be like that scene in The Matrix where Neo's like, my eyes hurt. Morpheus says, that's because you're using them for the first time. You've never seen it before. Your eye, our eyes gonna, are going to hurt because we're going to be awake for the first time. I'm already getting trade offers for Trevor Lawrence in one of my dynasty leagues because people are like, wait, oh, this guy – they're remembering how good he was. Last year was an absolute horrendous year, man. So I'm really excited for Trevor Lawrence. Um, and very excited to watch him in the preseason. The second guy is uh, it's Chigo ZM Okwanku, uh, the tight end out of Maryland, who is now on the Tennessee Titans. I'm just excited to see his athleticism on the field. Um, I try to do one position, one one position each. So Chig is my guy that at, at tight end that I'm excited to watch. Um, I, there are a lot of guys. That's why I love the pre. I'm actually I love the preseason. I think a lot of uh, Devi and Dynasty guys love the preseason because you get to watch a lot of the guys who are going to have a lot of playing time all do themselves. They're going to have plays drawn out for themselves uh, by the coaching staff because the coaching staff want to see what they have in draft capital. So, yeah, Chig is a very athletic tight end who profiles in as a Jonu Smith type who was used as Jonu Smith was. He was used in Maryland the way Jonu Smith was used in Tennessee. 
Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see if they utilize him the same way on end arounds on, um, you know, get him going kind of like, uh, out, out on the line of scrimmage. Uh, I, you know, in that same sense, I'm excited to see how Malik will there. There's, I'm, I have another Titans player here that I'm excited to watch, but, uh, I'll, we'll save that for, uh, the next, for my next guy, but yeah, Chig, Chig Kwanku, uh, the Tennessee Titans, uh, tight end. I think he's going to be the second pass catching tight end behind Austin Hooper to open the year. Uh, because they really don't have one, and the rest of their tight ends on that uh, depth chart are all blocking tight ends that they use in the red zone on various run formations. Yet again, I forgot Austin Hooper was on the Titans. I I always forget that he's on the Titans. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good call because with their wide receivers kind of in flux, you know, Robert Woods coming back from injury, Traylon Burt's, you know, um, still working on some things getting on the field, and then um, you know the player you go talk about later. So. They're going to need those options, and uh, we saw Tannehill can't carry that offense, so he needs good weapons in the middle of the field um, to kind of, you know, get that going. And, you know, maybe the big thing with with Tannehill was losing Johnny Smith, so maybe this will help him, um, you know, kind of be more efficient like he was before. Um, like I said, quarterback heavy, my second one is another second-year player with Zach Wilson. The reports are that he's really um, progressing and looking very good in camp. So I want to see, can he make this offense thrive? One of my biggest knots on Zach Wilson was he could do the spectacular, but he can't do the um, the ordinary. He just, the, the plays where he needs to stand in the pocket and um, deliver the throws, sometimes even on the short throws, he would struggle. Um, when he runs around everything, he can be electric. He can run, use his legs and um, everything. So I think that's, that's, that's big for him. And um, I want, and I just want to see if he's able to uh, to really um, just use all those weapons and if that Jets offense could be maybe top half of the league. So um, he's one I really want to see in preseason. Were you high on Wilson coming into the 2021 season? Very high on him. Um, I thought he was going to be the fourth or fifth best quarterback of that class. Um, and I think a lot of the end of the season where they said he, he did more was more where he was um, more mobile with his legs. I don't necessarily think he ever really showed um, consistency throwing the ball. So I think that's the biggest thing, him just being a more consistent passer. And But they did everything they could to give him a ton of weapons. And uh, I have a lot of his weapons. So um, I need him to progress for those weapons to be successful. Right. I agree. I agree with that sentiment. Uh, my third guy is uh, UCLA wide receiver Kyle Phillips on the Tennessee Titans. He profiles as a slot receiver, but the guy was an absolute monster at UCLA. Uh, in 2021, he was responsible for uh, 50% of the team's total touchdowns. He 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 had 50% of the t- team's total touchdowns in 2021. And that was on an offense that he was playing in along with Greg Dulcich, who is now the Denver Broncos backup tight end. So Kyle Phillips, I like. He's a, he's a uh, very savvy route runner, slot receiver. He needs to work on a few things as far as, you know, being more efficient with his feet on his route. He's a little bit too dancey, but I think those things can be cleaned up. Um, he's a very tough guy. You know, these are fun little adjectives, you know, tough, efficient, but whatever. I, I like Kyle Phillips a lot. I think he's going to get a lot of play. And I think he has a real shot to start the season, opening the season in three wide sets. Um, you know, I don't know. It's kind of muddled right now. I think as far as a wide receiver, there's Nick Westbrook-Akine, but he is not a slot receiver per se. He's more like a uh, seam-stretching third option, whereas Kyle Phillips is more versatile and like in flat routes and kind of like real routes and, you know, what. What, what have you, but I think uh, Kyle Phillips is going to be a fun wide, wide receiver to watch uh, 
in the uh, Titans uh, preseason. I agree. Uh, yeah, I think Kyle Phillips is a good one to watch because he'll get some probably uh, time with the first team, but he'll get some time with the second team too. So you'll get to see him more on the field. Um, so that's definitely a good player to watch out for because, like we said, we don't the wide receiver depth chart is kind of up in the air right now. Um, we think Traylon Burks is going to, you know, uh, take that over, but we don't really know when that'll happen. So my last player is uh, Damian Pierce for the Texans. Um, they say they're going to start off with Marlon Mack, um, but I kind of want to see what Damian Pierce does in preseason uh, because even if they start off with uh, Marlon Mack, the starter, Pierce will get to play you know more time in preseason as the second team or third team. And uh, I want to see you know what he really looks like you know against NFL competition because that backfield's open. Um, even though we don't think Texans would be very good, uh, you know, bad offenses can still have run, you know running back production even if they're losing in games, um, like the Jaguars the last two years with uh, James Robinson. And Pierce, too, because a lot of people, you know, are high on Pierce, you know, drafting him in rookie drafts. But the thing is, since they drafted him in, I believe, the fourth round, uh, fourth or fifth round, he doesn't have the draft capital with that huge running back class next year. Really, he has to prove it this year. So a lot of what he needs to do is, um, you know, produce fairly early in the season to show show um, what he can do could be somewhat like a Michael Carter situation last year where he could play well and they could still get someone. But um, I'm interested to see how he can do in that Tetsons backfield. Because I think that Tetsons offense might be, uh, you know, kind of a little sleeper or a little sneaky on some teams and be better than what people think. I don't, I, I really don't understand what the big deal is, why people are having such a difficult time with Damian Pierce. Like people, people are always like, no, I'd rather just take Rex Burkhead. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like Rex Burkhead, like, the guy's like 2000 years old. Damian Pierce is one of the most agile, like running. He's like a very agile running back. He doesn't really need a great offensive line because he knows how to manipulate defenders, linebackers by himself. Like I've seen him do it. So, I mean, he's a very, he's not really talking about stopping. I'd rather just take the cheaper option. Take yeah, How expensive do you think Damian Pierce is going to be, by the way? Like by the time, you know, by the time redraft comes around, he still won't be that expensive, even though even if he has a good off season, he still won't that be, be that expensive. So, just take Damian Pierce and like, yeah, they're going to be a better team this year. Like Davis Mills, I'm not as high as Davis Mills are. Some people are just like kissing his ass the entire offseason. I don't think he's that great. But I mean, like Damian Pierce is is a fine running back and he's going to have good running back two weeks. So, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I want to ask you because there are so many great guys to watch this offseason. Are there any honorable mentions you want to throw out there at each position? Do you feel anything? Do you feel like excited about it watching anybody else that you like were having difficulty that you were debating with putting on this list? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's like deeper guys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, deeper guys. Um, Because one guy I was going to say is I kind of want to see that what the Saints are doing with uh, Chris Olave. I mean, obviously, he's not a deeper guy. Um, Yeah. One of the guys that, uh, you know, he got overdrafted. I'll agree with that, but I still think he's good. I want to see what Tyquan Thornton can do for the, for the, for the, for the pictures. I almost put him on the list, but I've talked. I was going to say it. I have oh, no, no, like, I can't, I can't yeah. put him on the list, but I want to see. I mean, is he going to, you know, um, make some plays? He's probably going to play more in preseason because he won't be at the top of the depth chart. So he's yeah. uh, he's definitely someone I, I want to see. I'm trying to think anyone else. I, uh, I I heard Greg Cosell say that he saw no difference between Chris Olave and Tyquan Thornton besides for the logo on Tyquan Thornton's helmet. Like he said, there's no difference between the two. 
you know. So I mean, I think that makes us Taekwondo supporters feel really good. Yeah. Right? So let's let's yeah let's let's see how Bill let's see if Taekwondo can get on the field with Mac Jones and let's see how Max Jones responds to Taekwondo Thornton. You know, we might have. I, have, some you heard, have you heard the rumors that Matt Matt Patricia is going to be their offense coordinator? That does not make me feel very good. Wait, how is that even possible? Like, why why would that even that's happen? Belichick, Belichick, that's terrible. Yeah, I was like, oh, that sounds bad. But another, no, I go ahead. Another quick player that I would um, that I was big on um, before the draft is Jerome Ford, the running back out of Cincinnati. Nice one. Browns. Um, yeah. It doesn't look like they're going to get rid of Kareem Hunt this year, but so it's going to be a wait and see with Jerome Ford. But if he plays well, I, I think he could have a future with the Browns. You know, um, the next couple of years. And I got I got two guys. I have a uh, Georgia Mason, ex Georgia Tech running back. He was a uh, he was um, who was the Georgia Tech running back? Uh, Jameer. He was Jameer Gibbs' running mate, and in, in his first two years, he ran for one thousand five hundred eighty yards on two hundred eighty attempts at Georgia Tech. You know, he's 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 uh, how, how big is he? He's he's twenty three years old right now, so he's older, but he's 5'11", 223 pounds, right? And he's on the 49ers, right? So like. I think he probably has a chance because there isn't really a back like him on the team and he's heavier than uh, Tyrion Davis prices. And he, so far he had a really good, he had a better OTAs than Tyrion Davis price did. You know, the, the reports were way, very positive about Jordan Mason during OTA. So that is a drumbeat, right? And I'm taking that into consideration. Another guy, another raw uh, uh, prospect. Well, not as raw. He's a different position, but he's a raw, raw wide receiver on the uh, uh, Seahawks is Derek Young. He is 6'2", 224 pounds out of freaking Bumsville, America. I have no idea where this guy's from, but this guy, he ran a 4'49 at his height, right? He's, he ran a 4'49 at 6'2", 224 pounds, posted a 94th percentile speed score, posted an 89th percentile burst score. 77th percent percentile agility score and he has an 89th percentile catch radius. This guy is a monster, right? He looked really he looks really I was watching, I tried to look at all Derek Young film I could find during the offseason. He looks really good. Uh, a month ago, I believe he had a he was out of uh, workouts because he had a hamstring strain. But I mean, as far as college goes, oh, he's out of Lenore Ryan. I don't even know where that is on the map. So as far as college goes, he's he's he came out of college pretty late. He is uh 23 years old. Never had a breakout year in college. Very, very deep prospect, but insane athleticism. Like, insane athleticism. Like, if you can put the pieces together and have a solid camp, have a good special, maybe contribute on special teams to start the year as as maybe as, a, you know, as a gunner, probably, he'd probably make a good gunner. Uh, he, can, he can do, he can do really well, but he has no real noteworthy, he has no real noteworthy production out of college. But Derek Young, man, keep an eye out for this guy. He'll be playing in those fourth quarter, third quarter parts of the off, uh, of the preseason games where you're ready to switch it off. Watch out for Derek Young. I think we're going to see some uh, big plays out of him in the preseason. Yeah, especially if Seattle ends up going more on the rebuild size and get eventually gets rid of DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, like they're right. doing the rebuild. Then exactly. he definitely could be someone that um, – another wide receiver that um, on the Seahawks I just want to mention is Bo Melton out of Rutgers. Oh. Um, yeah. That – you know, no one probably watches Rutgers, but uh, their quarterback play is horrible, and he still made some plays. I would, you know, um, I like him there too. So both of those guys are good young pieces that are going to probably play some special teams. You're going to see in third and fourth quarters of the preseason, 
but um are guys that you especially in dynasty you can stash and um they you know maybe not even the seahawks they might make another team but they are players definitely that um that are ones you want to watch i got one more i got one more because i got one more <laughs> Velas jones Velas Jones, the guy gets shit on so much because he's old, but like I want to see how he's utilized. Like they take they spend a second round pick on him. I want to see, I want to see how he's utilized. As far as Tennessee goes, what the way I'm with what I'm familiar with from what I've seen is that he was using a lot, he was a yard after the catch guy. He was using a lot of uh kind of bubble screens and he took it to the house like a lot, or he took it for chunk yards a lot. So I want to see what else they do with him. That's all I would say. I'm starting, I'm starting to warm up to Velas Jones. Um, you know, in Dynasty, he's older, but I mean that doesn't mean he sucks. He's just older. He has draft capital. So we'll see. No, and just quickly to go off of that, I would love that yeah. because the Bears did very little with their wide receivers in the offseason. Exactly. Justin yeah. Fields has to throw to someone other than Darnell Mooney. And right. if I want Justin Fields to continue to progress, they need him. Um, and just quickly about his age, what I don't understand, pretty much in Dynasty, you're playing in like three to four-year blocks. So even though he's older, if you get like a good three years out of him, I mean, it yeah. doesn't matter like after that. Right. You're playing in those chunks, so that's what I've always thought. So um, absolutely. So yeah, so that will do it for the show. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Well, at that point, we'll talk about um, how we, our draft with Scott Fishbowl happened, and actually, we have a dynasty draft that's coming sad. up that this uh, end of this week. We're finally in the league together, and we'll talk about that too. So, Busy weekend. Uh, so yeah, get excited. So uh, thanks for uh, tuning in, and we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Later, guys.